Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I thought all hobbits lived in the Shire, but apparently two live in Mississippi. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is actually October, and uh, sometime soon it'll feel like fall around here. <laughs> yeah, I promise. Uh, on tonight's show, we uh, in pipe parts, I'm going to answer a question on, uh, on tobacco's best for breaking in your pipe. And then my guest is Alex Hasty, maker of Alexander Pipes, and uh, we get to talk to him, and, you know, he's a young guy, talented, and I didn't like him from the start, but uh, got to visit with him. Uh, mailbag music and rant, all that coming up on uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're underage, go ahead and click and turn it off. Uh, While it is fall, please make sure that you are outside smoking your pipe. And we'll have more on that in the rant coming up. Uh, Also, share the Pipes Magazine radio show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those other places and things and stuff. You know, share it. Help uh, keep the word out there going. Uh, and just got back uh, got back yesterday from a family trip out to the Portland, Oregon area. And it included, of course, visiting with family that we knew, meeting family, and, uh, you know, having a, had a couple of really good cups of coffee. Uh, the highlight of the trip, Pendleton Mills. Pendleton, the, the classic wool shirts and, uh, you know, really warm weather stuff from Pendleton, Oregon, had an outlet store that we happened to stop by. And the first time into the store, stopped in, picked up some, uh, you know, picked up some nice, uh, a nice Pendleton traditional shirt and a sweater vest kind of thing. So I'm ready for the winter. We walked around the mall, came back and decided that, you know, maybe while we're there, we'll get a couple of blankets for the house. You know, those little, you know, throw blankets because winter's coming and whatever. Walked in, saw one thing Disney related, didn't like it. Asked him again, yeah, said, I wish that was in an adult size. And she said, well, we do have this limited edition Mickey Mouse one. So guess who has a brand new Mickey Mouse Pendleton blanket here at his house? Me. Uh, anyway, that was, uh, you know, the, the, the highlight of the trip besides visiting the coast. And the coast of Oregon is absolutely beautiful. So if you get a chance, get out there. All right, enough about that. Let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show in just a few moments, my conversation with Alex Hasty. But in the meantime, I got an email from David. And uh, David asks, uh, would you be so kind to recommend a few mild to medium pipe tobaccos 
best for breaking in a new pipe. Thank you for your time, David. Well, I thought this might be an interesting, uh, an interesting subject to talk about and kind of go over again my personal pipe breaking uh, practice, and I and I and I did it this week. Um, when I break in a pipe, I don't do anything. I don't do anything special to it. I just grab the grab my favorite tobacco and I tend to smoke that pipe as hot as possible for five minutes. Let it cool down for twenty or thirty minutes. Come back to it five minutes and keep doing that up and all the way down the bowl. And I do that for about four or five bowls. So it's yeah. Again, I'm just I'm, I, the main thing I'm doing is I'm testing its tolerances. Uh, the only thing different that I don't do is at the end of the bowl is I don't wipe out the bowl. I'll dig out the ash, but I want to keep that ash in there so that it starts grabbing the pipe. Normally at the end of each one of my pipes, I take the, uh, take the wet end of the pipe cleaner with Everclear and wipe it around in there and get everything out. Well, when I'm breaking in a pipe for the first five or so bowls, I don't do that. That's the only thing I do differently. Uh, some of the, uh, some of the things that I've heard people do is take a little bit of honey and run it around the bowl and then load their pipe. And that honey helps grab the pipe, grab the tobacco. And again, this is primarily just to start building a cake. Um, if you're looking for tobaccos that are specifically, you know, meant for breaking in a bowl or breaking in a pipe or something that'll help build the cake faster, uh, there's two things. One, you're going to do it a little bit differently, in my opinion, if you have a uh, if you have a, an uncoated bowl, uh, because that uncoated bowl is going to allow whatever you have in the pipe to get f into the wood faster. If the bowl is pre-treated or carbon you know carbon coated or has a bowl coating in it. Uh, not, not so much worried about it then because that carbon coating is going to stop stuff from getting through into the wood. Uh, what I would suggest if you're looking for a mild to medium tobacco, good for breaking in a pipe, you know, it really depends on what you're going to use that pipe for. Again, if it's an aromatic pipe, you know, you only want it, you, you primarily want to dedicate aromatics to it. If it's an English pipe and, and so on and so on. So with my pipes, they're all Virginia and Virginia Perique pipes. So guess what? That's what they get. Uh, to help build that cake, you know, we had uh, the uh, we had the GLP's Virginia Cream recently. That was kind of a uh, a lightly aromatic and somewhat sweet Virginia. Uh, I would look for those tobaccos that are close to the wheelhouse of what you think the pipe will be used for, and look for the sweeter ones. Look for ones that maybe have some unsweetened black Cavendish in it. Uh, look for ones that maybe have a light casing to it of some sort. And again, you're going to have to dig around and you're really going to have to work for it. But that light, that extra little bit of the sweeter tobaccos, primarily black Cavendishes, that's going to help in my opinion, which I'm the leading expert on, uh, that's going to help you build that bowl uh, build that cake just a little bit faster. Now, if you're doing an aromatic, you know, there's probably nothing better than uh, than a simple 1Q variant or, uh, you know, a light vanilla Cavendish variant to start that with. If you're looking for an English tobacco, uh, that Presbyterian mixture had a little bit of something on it, maybe a little bit of black Cavendish. But again, look to an English tobacco that's got 
a little bit of a flavoring to it or a little bit of black Cavendish in there, and that will help grab it. Uh, and, and again, with the Virginias and the Virginia Periques, there you go again. If you do want to start the bowl going a little faster, take some honey, put it on your finger, rub it around the bowl evenly. I will warn you that that first bowl is going to burn your face off. Burning honey in a pipe is not a pleasurable thing. I've tried it once before, and I will never do it again, and I don't care how much money you're going to give me. I'm not doing it again, but it'll start that cake going faster, and it, it'll be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you 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 won't want to do it too many times. I promise you that. Um, and if you're worried about building up a, or breaking in the pipe, you know, start off with half a bowl. Start off with half a bowl in the bottom. Smoke that four or five times. I know Greg Pease does that, where he builds the cake from the bottom of the bowl up. So the first couple of pipefuls are in the bottom, then the next are in the in in like two thirds, and then the top is, of course, the the last. With my pipes, I tend to build the cake from the top and very rarely get a cake on the bottom, and I'm not worried about it because I know how to smoke the bottom of the pipe. Uh, but again, that's one way to do it. Uh, if you have any suggestions, recommendations, let me know. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. But uh, there you go, a lot of uh, a lot of nonspecific answers, more just ideas to a question that I'm sure a lot of us have. So uh, thanks to uh, David for sending that in. And in just a moment, Alex Hasty. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan. 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us is, um, well, you know, I, I've, I've decided I'm just going to hate you because you're young, good looking. You got long blonde hair and you're talented. So uh, I'm just going to hate you from the start. But please welcome pipe maker Alexander Hasty. Alex, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, so I I really got a chance at the last Columbus Pipe Show to to take a good close look at your pipes and honestly liked what I saw and am impressed. Um, but let's get to know you first. Where did where did you grow up? And 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 really, at your age, you're not quite grown up yet, anyway. But um, nope, not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where where are you from? And uh, what what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I grew up uh, born and raised in Ottawa, Kansas, just a relatively small town just uh, south of Kansas City. And uh, like I said, born and raised, went to high school here, went to college here. And uh, I guess right, right now I aspire to be a pipe maker. 
Uh, but uh, I really am not sure what the future holds at this point in time. It, did you go to school for art or design? Uh, no, I went to, uh, I attended Auto University and got a degree in business and marketing and uh, also did some studies in philosophy. Absolutely brilliant. So how does that work with pipe making? Well, the way, the way I see it, it's kind of uh, applying my degree uh, to directly. Uh, I'm having to market myself and uh, it's, I mean, I'm the sole member of this little business that I have. And so, I mean, I feel like it just applies uh, directly to what I've been doing. <laughs> so, so you can also balance your own books at the end of the, at the end of each month. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Good. Uh, and, and you might be, you know, it might be interesting for you to figure out exactly how much time you have into each pipe, what the cost of materials are and what the markups should be based off of an average marketing cost and, uh, and margins needed in order to, you know, like make a living. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And that's still uh, very much part of what I'm still learning about and and working on my efficiency and making pipes and making the best pipes possible at the best price, I suppose. All right. So when did uh, when did pipe smoking come into your life? Well, uh, throughout late high school, my late teens, uh, so some buddies of mine and, and I would smoke cigars and uh, and that was really my only uh my only connection with tobacco at that time. And then one day I just kind of decided with a friend of mine, I was like, you know, it would be really cool to smoke out of a pipe. And I had actually recently just returned from a trip to Mexico where I bought this like kind of crappy little like clay. It was super tiny. It's like a three inch long pipe. <laughs> and, uh, my buddy and I were smoking it and I, and I was like, you know, it'd be cool to make like a nice pipe. It would be cool to have one. And he was like, oh, well, good luck. I mean, they're pretty expensive, and, and I don't even know where to get one. And I was like, well, hey, my grandpa has a wood shop, so why not uh, why not just make our own? And so from there, it just kind of started. I've never purchased another pipe before, to be honest. So the only pipes you've ever smoked are ones you've made? Well, at that, at that point in time, at that point in time, that was the only things I had smoked. I didn't even know where to buy a pipe because where I'm from, <laughs> no one really does smoke uh, pipes, which obviously there are, are several pipe shops in Kansas City, uh, but I had not. I was not really willing to to go up there and really make a, a big time purchase. So I just figured for the time being, my uh, handmade pipes would do just fine. Uh, but I have since, I, I guess, a couple years into making pipes and smoking pipes, I bought a Nording up in Kansas City from a tobacco shop called the Outlaw. Yep. And uh, I really enjoyed that pipe. And honestly, from buying that pipe, I uh, learned a lot about how pipes should be made. And uh, and that was kind of the purpose at that time of, of making my own, my first uh, relatively large purchase on a tobacco pipe was just to learn about what they should be. Yeah, so how, I mean, you're a young guy. How did you start learning the ins and outs of making a pipe? Uh, really just all online forums and just uh, hunting on the internet and a lot of those videos that uh, Jeff Grasick with Jay Allen Pipes has done were extremely helpful and like Jared Coles with J&J Pipes they did some uh, some videos on YouTube that I learned a lot from uh, but yeah at, at the beginning at least it was all just it was all just trial and error and uh, 
reading forums and just trying to gather as much information I could. Had you spent any time in your uh, in your grandfather's workshop before that, or was this all brand new? Well, I uh, well there was a time there was one time I think I was a freshman maybe in in high school and uh, the only woods training I'd ever had was six in sixth grade when we were it was a required uh, like eight week long class and uh, but other than that where I made a birdhouse. But other than that, I had had no carpentry training, and at that point in time, my uh, my grandpa, who had built this workshop, and he was a woodworker himself, so he has a great workshop out at uh, his house. But he had become too sick to ever um, actually put any of those machines into use, and uh, so I, I, at one point in time, I had tried to make like a shoe rack sort of thing, like something for my closet to like organize shoes on but it kind of <laughs> ended up being a failed experiment but uh other than that there was that, that was about it in terms of uh woodworking experiments i tried to make a birdhouse one time it turned into an ashtray yeah yeah sometimes they're better <laughs> off used for that <laughs> yeah so where'd you go to get like supplies for briar and and all your uh, all your starting material well at the uh at the beginning I had no idea what ebonite was. I had no idea what briar was, for that matter. I I was literally making, uh, I was gluing together like two by like walnut two by fours together to make a a block large enough to make a a pipe from. And uh, eventually, I moved into like cherry wood. So I was making a lot of walnut pipes and cherry wood pipes, and uh, and that was about it. But then I discovered. Uh, a, a company that's now since has gone out of business, but a uh, pipe makers emporium. Yeah. And, uh, that's where I started to buy briar and, uh, started getting some of those pre-molded vulcanite stems. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of went, went from there. Really. That was my first, uh, taste of briar. I, I suppose was about probably about six months into my, into my pipe making venture. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point are you are, are you working another job to pay bills or are you just head on into learning how to make pipes i'm uh, i'm fully dedicated fully uh full-time pipe maker at this point in time <laughs> all right so let, let's go back when in know in, in the beginning what was what was the hardest part for you to get a handle on um well, I mean, it's hard to even pick one thing out. There were so many things that I had uh, issues learning with because I, I had no one, uh, no one showing me uh, directly exactly what I was even doing. And so I, I suppose a big part of my issues at the beginning was just the simple an engineering of the pipe, to how large the holes should be, and and uh, exactly where the holes should be drilled, and uh, and that for all that kind of stuff. And uh, but once I actually started making my pipes fully by hand, uh, and, and including making the stems, the stems were really the uh, the big <laughs> issue that I had. Because I mean, there's a lot that goes on within the stem that contributes to the overall smoking experience, and and some of those intricate details are very difficult to gather for through online forums and whatnot. So that was a uh, that was something I definitely had to put a lot of time and effort into learning about, which I'm and I'm still doing. I de definitely not perfected uh, stem making or pipe making uh, and from that in that matter, but uh, 
you know, just a, it's a process. It, it It is a process, and I think anybody that tells you that they've perfected it is pretty they're, they're clueless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, even some of the old-time greats have said, you know, no, they, they've never made the perfect pipe. There's still more to yeah. more to do. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you're right. The you know, learning, you know, learning that, learning the stem part and stem making. I think for mm-hmm. a lot of pipe makers at the beginning, they think the stem is the afterthought, and really, it's you know, as much time and effort as the as the block of wood is. Yeah, and I mean, and from my perspective, it, it's, uh, I mean, the stem is arguably the most important part of the pipe. I mean, it's controlling the entire airflow of the whole of the whole pipe. And uh, as long as you do your, drill your holes in the block of wood correctly, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And, uh, but when it comes to the stem, I mean, it's, it's the inside of the stem is very important in the way it feels in your mouth. I mean, so to me, the stem is arguably more important than the than the wood itself. Yeah, I, well, I like a good stem. Um, do you prefer to drill first and then shape afterwards? Uh, I personally do not do that because uh, I feel like I I, de- I do most probably ninety percent of my pipes unless I'm doing a billiard. Uh, I enjoy doing freehand shaping i feel like i can follow uh grain patterns uh more accurately and i can really and i can avoid certain flaws because once you drill that hole you're locked into that shape and you can't go anywhere from there but you can't go anywhere uh you, you know you, you yeah. can't uh you can't deviate from the or where the holes are drilled but if you shape first you can kind of move around those imperfections in, inside the wood and move around those grains and then drill your holes exactly where you want them. It, it, it is a little hard to uh, fill that hole back in if you want to re-drill it and move yeah, it somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, you can't exactly put that hole back. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more uh, pipes with Alex. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with pipe maker Alex Hasty. And uh, all right, so we were talking about drilling first and second. Uh, 
do you do you like doing classic shape billiards pots pokers that kind of stuff yeah absolutely i mean i, I make uh, uh lots of billiards and throughout a period of time uh when i was really trying to hone in on my uh pie making skills i feel like you can't learn more about pie making than from a billiard i mean it's, it's as straightforward as it gets and you need to you need to be before you start making a blowfish or uh or even dublins for that matter i think i feel like it's important to really feel like you can make a good billiard and uh so i i do make quite a quite quite a bit of billiards and like lovitz and uh and nose warmers and and things like that but uh I definitely prefer to do freehand uh, shapes. Just to me, they're more interesting to look at. I guess a little more, uh, a little more artistic and a little more expression and in them. Yeah, a lot more artistic freedom, I suppose. Is uh, um, so when you when you grab that block of wood that you're going to do a freehand shape of, you know, you, you're you're trimming off the the excess wood that you don't want to goof around with and then you're just kind of mm -hmm. finding the grain and and staring at it and going okay that's where that should be yeah and, and uh well so typically what i do I, I have this little book that i uh i draw a lot of uh shape ideas and uh so then uh, every now and again I'll, I'll just pick one and i'll uh i trace it on a tracing paper and i'll find a block because I, I have lots of briar now uh, and just kind of line it up with, and I'll wet the grain so I can see where they're kind of going. And from there, I can pick a, a block that best suits the shape that I'm looking to make at that point in time. And obviously, I, I can tweak the shape a little bit to make it fit just right. Uh, uh, but I, I don't just pick up a block, uh, one particular block, and say, I'm going to make a pipe with this block, and uh, it's going to be this shape. Uh, it typically is just m matching the shape idea I already have with the block that best, su best suits it. So sometimes I end up having a block that sits my pipe or in my shop for months and just doesn't get used simply because I haven't come up with the right shape for that block. Hey, the, those long winters in Kansas, that block will get nice and dried out for you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good. Give us a. Can you give us an example of like when you when you're doing the, you know, when you're starting the shape of freehand pipe and you have to make an adjustment, you know, mm -hmm. kind of give us an example of one that you did that on, or, you know, maybe you were going for, maybe you were going for like a bent egg and it ended up being a squat <laughs> tomato or something. Yeah, uh, actually, at the Columbus show, you you saw one of those examples. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was a pretty small, short bowl kind of acorn shape. It was really long and and skinny. And uh, but originally, that one was supposed to be like an oversized egg, and it was a really the bowl was probably two and a half inches taller than it ended up being. And right as I started to kind of hone in on the shape, and I was just getting ready to start drilling my holes, I just saw a little uh, pit on the top. And I thought this pipe in particular had a chance to be a smooth because it was looking like it was it had no pits. And uh, I just noticed a small one on the top, and I kind of sanded on it, and I realized and it really just opened up. And uh, so I ended up having to completely just chop off the top two inches of the bowl and just completely change the shape right there. And, and, uh, and so from there, when, when things like that happen, you kind of just have to go with your instincts and just make whatever the pipe 
can be at that at that point in time as i end up having to just remove so much material that it was uh, a miracle that i even salvaged a pipe from the block <laughs> i thought it i thought i thought it might have been one that just had to end up in the trash and uh and that does happen i have i have several blocks that i keep kind of as reminders as to what can happen to your plans and uh you know things don't always go the way you hoped and natural natural flaws happen and so and when you when you tweak the bowl then you've also got to bring the shank down to match it aesthetically yep exactly because in that particular uh, instance uh, i ended up with a very uh, long skinny shank but before it it was a relatively thick shank that matched the uh the bowl but yeah as soon as you start as soon as you take away from uh one part of the pipe you have to make it match the other part so i mean it's it's uh <laughs> it's just one of those things changing one thing you change one thing you have to change 10 things yeah yeah so you, even though you but it, it it still allows you the flexibility to do that and and save yeah. some sort of some sort of your work and you know make a finished yeah. pipe out of it yeah no and i ended up actually really liking the way that pipe looked and uh i mean as far as i'm concerned maybe that was just what that block was always meant to look like and and it's exactly why i don't drill my holes first typically because if i had if i was decided to make a billiard out of that shape and i locked into the end of the jaws of the chuck and i drilled the holes really without uh putting any mind towards uh what could be going on inside of the pipe or inside of that block uh i probably would have had a ruined uh piece something i, I couldn't <laughs> have used uh what was your first pipe show my first pipe club uh no what was your first pipe show that you went to Oh, uh, I went to the uh, Kansas City Pipe Show last year, and that was the first one I had ever been to. Uh, any any thoughts or feedback from uh, from your experience going to your well, first show? I, I, I was not a vendor. I, I just uh, I just went and and kind of browsed for a little bit. Uh, Tony Nielsen was there, and uh, I remember really enjoying looking through his uh, selection. And uh, but other than that, I, there wasn't really any big time pipe makers at the show last year, I don't believe. And uh, uh, but I, I got to see, I mean, the vast, uh, uh, just got, the variety of, of pipes that there are, and just see how many pipes there are in this world is kind of mind boggling. Because uh, at that point in time, I had never been to a pipe show. I had never talked with any other pipe makers or pipe smokers, really, for that matter. And uh, being so young i guess it was it was all kind of an over almost an overwhelming experience but uh, it was awesome did you see a pipe that you said wait a second i want to try to make something like that uh well i had always been interested at that point in time in making uh uh a blowfish shape uh but you can only when you're looking at photos of blowfishes online uh they're all just so different and it's because you have to really follow grain patterns extremely precisely. And uh, so it's hard to kind of get a grasp on exactly uh, how to make such an abstract shape. Uh, being at the pipe show, I saw a few makers that had made blow, uh, the blowfish shape. And so uh, from there, it really uh, enhanced my interest in, <laughs> in making one for myself. And I've since I've made only three. Uh, but it's definitely a shape that's one of my favorites. Was Columbus the first time you 
you got a table and put your pipes out? Uh, no, my first show was Chicago, actually, uh, this past <laughs> May. Oh, boy, dive right into the and deep so, end. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of just worked out that way that right at the time that I felt like my pipes were uh, finally getting good enough to uh, to actually sell and, and to market myself because before I, I was kind of keeping it all very much under wraps uh, because I knew that they weren't very good and uh or just just weren't very good uh in relative terms uh they smoked just fine but the aesthetics uh were not where i wanted them to be uh but uh right before about a few weeks before chicago i kind of decided that i thought that i was i had some quality pieces and uh so i bought a table and just i knew that chicago was the international show and that it was kind of a zoo there but i figured why not to start with the big one and how'd it work out for you? It, it was really great, to be honest. And uh, and looking back now, even uh, I'm making better pipes than I was then. Uh, but it was just a great experience. I met a lot of awesome people, people who have helped me out tremendously uh, since the show, and uh, got some connections with like Yvonne Reese uh, was mm-hmm. a great connection for me, and I uh, sold some pipes through them for the past few months, and. Uh, no, and overall, Chicago is just an overwhelmingly positive experience, I feel like. You survived, and you came back from going to Chicago, and you still wanted to make pipes. So that's that's yep, positive yep. for your first one. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Chicago, obviously, everyone, anyone who's anyone goes, even all the international guys as well. And uh, so I just got to see what a real – luxury pipe looked like like uh looking at like jeff grasic's pipes and uh ernie markle and jared coles and uh and, the, and those kinds of of makers it, it was uh it was definitely an experience to uh see what a thousand dollar pipe actually looks like and uh you know try to take some mental notes home with me now let's switch back to you uh besides pipe making what else do you like doing in uh because i mean you're you are not you don't look like your typical midwestern kid because of yeah, the long yeah. hair but you know <laughs> I, I don't I, i'm not a farmer i suppose so uh yeah <laughs> uh, but now growing up uh, my family has always been uh very much centered around uh sports uh, i grew up with two older brothers and uh so sports was always a big part of our uh, upbringing, and uh, well, my brothers and I mostly took a liking to basketball. And uh, my brother and I, my my the middle brother, so he's two two years older than me. We played basketball together in high school and college, and uh, and so yeah, my other interests really are just sports and family and uh, outdoor lifestyle. I love to fish and cook and all that kind of kind of stuff yeah so (laughs) for those that don't know if i understand this correctly missouri is a football state and kansas is a basketball state yeah yeah it kind of seems that way yeah uh, at least that's what they care about in college sports anyway yeah 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 well yes the kansas jayhawks are not uh haven't been too great in football in recent years but uh we're looking better (laughs) there's only one way to go and that's up Yes, yes, exactly. 
Uh, Alex, how many pipes a year do you want to be making? Um, I think uh, right now I'm looking at probably the at my current level of efficiency. I'm kind of looking at about 100 maybe, which I know is not enough uh, to be making a real living off this, but I understand there are some growing pains as well and uh, still some things I'm very much working out. But uh, I think in the 150 to 200 range would be best for me uh, in the future. And so, like I said, I'm still working on efficiency and I'm, I'm very new to a lot of the things I'm doing still. Uh, so things are taking longer than they will be in a year. So <laughs> it, it'll, they'll only, you'll only get faster and better. Well, yeah, every time I think I'm getting faster, I realize something <laughs> that I would like to change. And, uh, and so then it's just kind of learning all over again. Or that rascally wood stuff does something weird to you, and then you got to change what you were thinking about doing that. And yeah. Yep, yep. One thing leads to another. I mean, every pipe, uh, <laughs> I would like to say that each pipe that comes out was just very easy to make and, and uh, had no issues at all. But every pipe has their issues, and uh, each is a very unique experience to make, and uh, they're just unique in themselves. Currently, where are your pipes starting out at price-wise? Uh, I do uh, billiards and uh, relatively uh, simple straight shapes for uh, uh, about 250 and sometimes below. Uh, but the bulk of my pipes float around the 300 range. And uh, with my most expensive, I think, ever was a really nice uh, smooth blowfish. I think it was, it was 450 or 500 maybe. And you don't have it anymore, do you? Uh, no, I do not. It was <laughs> it was a really good looking piece. I got kind of lucky on the grains and uh, and just the whole the whole piece just it worked out really nicely. Your website is Alexander Pipes A L E X A N D E R Pipes dot com. And uh, besides Yvonne Reese and your website, is there any place else to see your pipes or pictures of your pipes? Uh, I have a few a uh, few pipes on pipes to smoke dot com. Uh, it's a it's a website based out of Toronto, Canada. Uh, but other than that, I'm still working with some other uh, suppliers at the moment, uh, trying to get them get my pipes available uh, in more stores. Uh, but currently, just Yvonne Reese, my website, and pipes to smoke. And hopefully, we'll get to see you at a couple more pipe shows a year because. Uh... Then, we, then then I get to touch them and put my finger in the bowl. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Alex, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Um, to smoke, uh, personally, I, I'm a big fan of billiards. Something straight and light. And uh, something like a thin a thin shank is something that I like on billiards. Uh, uh, I just think they're just the perfect smoking device. And uh, but to make, I really enjoy the process of making the blowfish. Although it's a very difficult shape, I find the uh, artistic freedom to be unmatched by any other shape. So it's the most fun for me. What is your favorite tobacco? Um, honestly, I'm still so new to, uh, pipe smoking, uh, as well. Uh, I really can't say I have 
pin down a favorite at this point in time, but I do like things that are kind of light aromatics and uh, Latakia blends I'm kind of starting to uh, grow on. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoy lots of different tobaccos, but I can't say I've picked a favorite yet. Well, as long as you stay away from the Latakias, I'll still like you. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite drink? Um, beer. Um, and uh, in particular, we have a... Have you ever heard of Boulevard Brewing Company? Yeah, in Kansas it's City. A, yep. Uh, I really enjoy their original beer. It's a pale ale, and uh, I got to say that's that's probably my favorite. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, definitely not a book. I, I'm not a big reader at this point in my life. But, <laughs> but uh, music and a movie, I mean, both, both of those are uh, both of those work for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of just kind of sitting sitting around the house listening to classical music is something I, I've been known to do and I really enjoy. The people of Ottawa, Kansas, must think that you're some kind of freak. Yeah, you know, I kind of went from uh, the basketball player to, wait, that guy makes pipes? <laughs> He's got long and, hair, uh, makes pipes, and listens yeah. to classical music and enjoys cooking. Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not sure what, what people really think at this point in time. <laughs> uh, a lot of people ask me about it, and, uh, and whenever I see them, they're just kind of they're curious about when exactly I started doing this and why, because I've kept it by <laughs> very uh, close secret, I suppose, for the last several years uh, since I started making pipes. But <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we have not talked about? Um, for me, uh, I was just, uh, yeah, I was kind of reflecting on that just a moment ago is, uh, just beginning times when I was really learning and, uh, and I, I, one of my, my best friend, uh, from high school and currently, uh, just sitting around trying out my new pipes that I had made and just sitting outside my shop, smoking them and talking about what's wrong with them and, uh, kind of where I can improve and looking back, I mean, those pipes were horrible. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, to us, they were really cool and they were awesome. And so that, that's kind of, those are my favorite pipe memories i suppose alex i'll say all i'll tell you is keep doing what you're doing and to all the uh, listeners who are either uh, women or have daughters sorry he's got a girlfriend so yes i do <laughs> yeah sorry and she doesn't let him out of out of her sight um nope again the website's alexander pipes alex thanks for coming on yeah yeah thank you for having me and we'll be back in just a minute my name is shane ireland and i'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com it's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world we take collecting seriously so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers when you browse our site and make your selection the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department it was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 
and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And welcome back. Uh, in uh, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in all truth, this was recorded. Uh, I recorded Alex almost a month ago. And uh, since then, saw him again at the Kansas City Pipe Show, and I will see him again in Las Vegas. And while I was, uh, while I've been doing this uh, this episode, I've been smoking the pipe that I bought from Alex at Kansas City. So uh, check out all of his stuff. All right, for music, we are going back to uh, my friend John Ferraro in the Mutual Admiration Society, and uh, this one is called uh, Heartbroke. I uh, don't know why it's called Heartbroke. I kind of like it, and it makes me kind of happy. So anyway, here's uh, John Ferraro with Sterling Ball and Jim Cox, the Mutual Admiration Society.
to hear more of the Mutual Admiration Society, you can find them on Spotify, and it's available for download on iTunes, which is what I did, and uh, a lot of great music. Alert one, alert one, incoming emergency action message. We have a big mailbag, so here it goes. Uh, Riff Raff said regarding last week's show, another great show, I will miss the story time with Alan Schwartz. He was a joy to listen to. I'm looking forward to your other guests that will continue in that ilk. I personally think it is a great format. Sounds like you had a great time in KC as well as taking home a nice haul of tobacco. Congrats. As always, I look forward to the next show, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll I'll work on that. We'll get some more uh, story time stuff. And then Scott Thiele writes, uh, Your series with Alan Schwartz has been excellent. He's an amazing wealth of information and experience from his many years in the business and an engaging, articulate knack for sharing them. Yeah, he does. I'm excited about your plan to have more story segments with Pipe Luminaries, including the visit you had with Sykes while he and his family were hunkered down with you. Uh, Thanks for the shout-out and for playing Sweet Afton. Uh, Getting to play with Chris, Sean, and Sarah on that recording and be a part of the early years of Nickel Creek was extremely fun and rewarding. They're amazing musicians and phenomenal human beings. Uh, You're doing great work with the show, Brian. Thank you. Uh, And you're welcome, platinum recording artist Scott Thiele and Pipe Maker. And then uh, Crash the Gray says, Casey Pipe Show sounds incredible. I have to agree, though. I think the Carver Contest should be a separate event, but I get that they sell a lot of tickets that way. I do wish the people would stop complaining about who did or did not make it, but but that will always happen. Very solid end to the summer series with Alan. I love all the insider secrets that he shared. Yeah, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking on uh, football and uh, pipe carving contests. And then Dino writes, I greatly enjoyed the adventures of Alan Schwartz this summer. And yes, please get my cousin Mary McNeil back on the show to do a series of conversations about McClellan and tobacco. Uh, I'm a great fan of the Thielies, both, both as musicians and of Scott as a pipe maker. Thank you, my friend, for another brilliant show, Dino. Uh, Dino, you're welcome. And uh, the best part of uh, of the of Scott is that he's a really nice guy and you know humbly holds his platinum record somewhere at home. Uh, and then Down Home Smoker says, Alan exceeded expectations yet again, and what a nice finale to the interviews. I very much appreciated and enjoyed the three nuns sample you gave me and had a blast at the KC show. I was very impressed with Alexander's pipes and have added them to my Christmas list. Uh, my friend brought, uh, bought one and said he really likes it. I can't wait to hear that interview. Uh, Chris Thiele is an excellent musician and love the music Pleasant Smokes. Well, there you go. Now you heard the Alex interview. And, uh, you know, we'll keep playing Chris's music as long as he keeps putting out great music. And then finally, Casey Ghostwrites. Uh, maybe you can dra- drop in on Brad Pullman while you're in Portland. Uh, no, didn't work. And Brad, I think, lives way outside of Portland, up in the trees somewhere. Uh, then he says, uh, you gave a very nice description of your trip to the KC Pipe Show. It's always a pleasure to have you drop by the club meeting. It's my favorite meeting of the year. For a crusty, for a crusty cuss, leave on Eric is always a pleasure to have a meal with. And I imagine that 90-year-old tin that Nate King had was interesting to try. Uh, That guy who brought the tobacco at bargain prices really offered some deals, didn't he? I got two pounds of $17.92 for $80. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Shame it is the end of the series of uh, talks with Alan Schwartz. They were really good. I'd love to hear Mary talk about her years in the industry. 
Uh, so many of us think that Mike was the driving force behind McClellan, but it was really Ma- it was really Mary and Mike. Uh, it was really Mary, and Mike wouldn't release a single tin of something new unless Mary said it was okay. She has an incredible palate. Uh, let me clear some things up for you. They shouldn't have been selling raffle tickets at the show. Let me uh, let me jump in here. Uh, well, then he says it is against Missouri gaming regulations. Uh, let me jump in here and say that they I didn't see them selling tickets on the show floor. I'm just when I was talking about money, I was talking about you know people were booking and booking their trips in advance and buying uh, raffle tickets, and that took expendable money out of the marketplace for the show. Uh, and then he goes on to say, um, and because you don't like the prints doesn't mean that is a bad shape. It just means you don't you didn't like it. I don't remember this how and why when we did the billiard, which to me is a boring shape as one can imagine. Uh, This contest was a technical challenge to see how well a carver could make a prince. It was not a call to to give us an individual take on the pipe design. Next year's contest will permit the carvers to express their artistic instincts to be expressed. Uh, that's what we do. One year it's a technical, and then the next it's artistic. You will love what uh, we are doing next year. You'll get all the artistry you can stand in pipe design, and uh, you're called to do this. And uh, wait, hold on. And you're called to do this at another time. It's just not practical. I guess you'll have to tell us more on how we should do this. <laughs> Phone's always open. Uh, anyway, comments or questions, email me, Brian, at pipesmagazine.com. iTunes ratings and reviews, we do appreciate those. And uh, travel-wise, uh, just had my first actual client travel over the past weekend, and that was fun to have that happen. So if you're going anywhere, let me know. Speaking of going everywhere uh, or anywhere, it looks like the folks at the Richmond uh, Core Show event had a great time. Looks like there was a ton of people at the Sutliff Factory Tour the day before. I've only seen pictures and uh, on Facebook and heard a couple of comments, but it looks like it was a lot of fun all over. Uh, and the Texas Pipe Show is coming up this weekend. I won't be there, sadly. But uh, that's in uh, Dallas, Texas, and as soon as I can pull this thing up here, it will show me uh, the Texas Pipe Show is at Pop Safari Room, and for more info, go to TexasPipeShow.com. And then the 10th Annual uh, West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas, November 10th and 11th. I'm booking my table, my room, and my airfare today for that, so you will see me there. And remember, when you come by the table to see me, just say, I love the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I've got a little gift for you. All right, in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869.
this is uh, more of an observation, less of a rant. Just more of my my opinion, my observations from uh, spending four full days in the uh, in the greater Portland area. And Portland, you know, prominently promotes itself to keep Portland weird. Well, you know what I found out was I don't think it's so much weird as it's awkward. Uh, the you know the young people or the people that I ran into around Portland were perfectly you know perfectly friendly, but in most cases they were just kind of awkward. Uh, I, I you know I grew up, I was born in San Francisco, grew up around L.A. and Hollywood and all that. Lived in Las Vegas. I know weird. Uh, the people of Portland, you're not you know you're not really weird. You're more just kind of awkward. Uh, you know, standing outside smoking a pipe, I'd get these strange looks from people that were just kind of like deer in the headlights looks. It wasn't so much uh, weird, because weird is weird can be friendly, weird can be outgoing, weird can be shy, weird can be a whole bunch of things, but awkward. It was just kind of get these awkward stares from people. Uh, and even just walking into a normal store where you wanted to get a cup of coffee or something like that, it was just, instead of them being outgoing and weird, they were just kind of awkward. And I don't know how else to describe it, but, uh, you know, there was a few places that we found some really wonderful, friendly people. But in most cases, most of the strangers that you'd run into or even hanging out at the hotel on the... Uh, a little smoking bench the people that were there were just not the normal chatty types they were just kind of awkward and instead of keeping portland weird they were just you know more awkward with less words and more stares and looks and it was just kind of strange so maybe it's just keep portland strange all right, there you go. Uh, I did forget to mention there are new uh, Walt Disney World discounts that have just been announced for the spring. So if you want to take a break from the winter and run down there, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel. Or if you're going anywhere, give me a shout first. Uh, help me out. I'll help you out. And I promise uh, I'll get you the best deal possible or tell you where to get the best deal possible. So there you go. I uh, want to thank Alex for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Oh!